Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Jeremy. You listen to the Death Scography Podcast, episode 78. Yeah, it's uh we're we're about halfway through December here. Uh we're getting super close to 80 episodes, and we are just in the middle of a really high point for death wish and so it's been a really great string of episodes totally um uh, if you've never listened to the podcast before we are chronologically working our way through the death wish Inc. discography and every episode we have an in-depth conversation about a particular record uh today's episode we are covering the record the blackest curse by the band integrity that's right and we have a little special surprise that was that was good. That was a good thanks. It's just a little <laughs> special surprise. Just a little special surprise. Yeah, today we are uh, here with well on the internet. We're here with uh, Dwid from Integrity. So what's up, Dwid? Hey, how's it going? Good. It's thanks going for coming well. on, man. <laughs> My pleasure. This has been cool. You, um, I was able to get back uh, in contact with you for the last episode we talked about Integrity, which was episode. 27 we covered the record to die for yeah and you you gave me some cool information and that was very very helpful but for this one we figured let's just get let's just get you on you know directly and that way everything just comes from straight from the horse's mouth you know what i mean so we're just really really appreciative that you're here um yeah i mean if you're listening to this episode and you don't know who it is uh which would be very i don't know sometimes people listen to random podcast episodes and they don't know the band we're talking about um Integrity, you guys, you've been around forever. You formed in like the late 80s, 88. Uh, and it's, it, it is just a, a monumental force in the hardcore metal scene. And this record that we're talking about today came out in 2010. So that was 11 years ago. Yep. Uh, but you're still a band now and, and you've been a band for forever. Um, I guess Te- technically I- longer than you've been alive, Jeremy. That is true. Uh, I am only thirty-one. Yep. Born in ninety, so this band has been a band, a band longer than I mean. I've I mean, I was. Two, I, I mean, I was two when the band formed, but I was alive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, Dwight, I mean, I don't want to hammer on the uh, beginning of the band uh, too much. You've been asked that the, the sort of stuff a million times, but just like a, a quick, brief summary of like how the band started, if you wouldn't mind. Well, it was a long time ago. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> let me see if my memory still works. <laughs> but, um, well, uh, basically, I was a, I went to art school, and I wanted to have a band because a lot of my friends had bands, and I, uh, my strong point in uh, art school was collage, so I used my knowledge of collage to uh, reverse engineer the songs and the bands that I liked and use the collage uh, concept or strategy as uh, my blueprint on how I would put together songs and uh, music in the, in the beginning like that. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, But even before that, it started more as like a, what would be now called a streetwear company. I had merchandise before I had any songs. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because on the last episode, you you basically said the, the band was started as like a proto streetwear brand with the intention of becoming a band. Well, there wasn't streetwear back then. Uh, I just went to, when I, at the school that I went to, uh, the teacher 
who was in charge of uh, the screen printing department was was arrested and um, the teacher uh, went away and they didn't want to hire the the faculty didn't want to hire a replacement so they put me in charge because I knew how to use the equipment <laughs> so I was able to use the equipment to my at my own discretion including the supplies so I would help uh, the other students uh, learn how to make Led Zeppelin bootleg shirts or whatever they were into Sabbath, right, different right. things mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Pink Floyd, you know, they were a lot of the people in in that class were into into classic rock. Well, at oh, that sure. time it was called classic rock. I'm not sure what it's called now, but um, it's still yeah, it is still called that. So, yes. uh, <laughs> so they, I, I taught them uh, how to make, you know, like they'd have weed leaf shirts and they were mm -hmm. basically burnouts. <laughs> totally. Uh, you know, I love Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and Pink Floyd as well, but um, I wasn't making those shirts because you could buy those shirts back right. then, right. but uh, I was trying to make shirts that you couldn't buy, and I was coming up with my own concept of uh, of what my band should look like, so I made shirts as I was trying to get uh, everything together. And then I would just give the shirts to my friends, oftentimes uh, bands that were coming through town, like uh, Gorilla Biscuits and uh, Youth of Today. These guys were our, our friends uh, at that time. Just casual, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, they would actually stay at, at uh, across the street from my house uh, almost every time they came into town, all those guys. They, I mean, it was like, I would say maybe 10 or 12 different guys, and then they, that made up like... I don't know, 15 bands, you know? Right. So, yeah, right. So they would get in one van and they would have like, you know, like a basically like <laughs> Ozfest style uh, tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, one guy would be the drummer on in one band, the next, uh, and then the drummer was the singer and then he might play bass in the third band and totally. so on. I'm, I'm being a bit uh, ridiculous with this, but no, you, but you get we, the I idea. Get yeah. No, no, 100%, yes. Yeah, that was kind of their thing, which was a really cool idea. And um, and then you know they traveled around uh, the, the world like that, and they were able to get all their different bands uh, I, playing live in one I, van. I love the idea of like, um, like you're saying, like you were like working on like the the aesthetic of your band before, like you know, like what it, you said, like I think you said what it should look like, and like I know that for so many bands like when they start they're just making music you know and then they're like fuck i don't know like what do we do for merch I, I what what is our merch for our band i don't know but it's cool that like you were already like before you're even like really like a band band you were already like working on this like imagery and aesthetic which you know went on of course to to be a huge part of what integrity when people think of integrity they think of that well, I hope so. I mean, the concept, uh, I think, adds a great depth to, to music. And without that, it, it becomes a bit... Um, it's flat. Yeah, there's no foundation. So, in totally. my opinion, but, you know, I can well, also is... enjoy some light pop music here and there, too, you know, that has sure, no sure, real substance sure. to it. Uh, but for me, I, I like substance. I like to, uh, the idea of an entire universe that's underneath the whole thing, mm -hmm. which maybe isn't even uh, expressed or clear clarified to the audience mm -hmm. or the listener. But you can kind of feel that something is also there, you know, something that isn't right. explained and hopefully and then... Uh, Hopefully they can feel that. And yeah, uh, like it kind of adds to the the myth too, like the because it's like people start having people start like speculating about things that are never like explained 
you know so like they they're they, they spend time thinking about your band mm-hmm. well there, there's know? another component to to what i do that i leave um i leave room uh to breathe within the song so mm-hmm. that the listener can uh can impose their own uh ideas mm-hmm. and fuse that with the song so then the song that i've created and their interpretation of the song merge together and they become co-authors with me and that totally. we actually um we're just doing another interview uh the other day and talking with a a, a band we were talking with a, a a guy named wanji from the band zeta and we were talking about how the art like once you release something it no longer is purely yours it is very much the listeners and yours like and so like this idea of like leaving space for like intentional space for the listener to co-author stuff with you yeah. is is, is it's it's, real, it's, it's funny because we just had this conversation with someone else and so it's a really cool like i love that mindset i think it's awesome well, it's it's basically quantum physics you know with a little bit of religion <laughs> it's, it's just basically infused. quantum physics i love that sentence i love it you so know, that's much what, that's what religion is as well you know i mean religion if you boil it all down it's just quantum physics so right <laughs> okay Damn. so um with intention you know right prayer right. is intention that's true. Um, okay, so you're you're creating these shirts, you're creating this aesthetic for the band. Uh, how long between like kind of starting this and act and actually like writing songs? How long was that period? Maybe a year. Okay, so you're just you're kind of creating this aesthetic for a whole year, and then when did the band kind of start getting stuff together? That was '88. Well, well, what happened was I had a band called Die Hard before that that That's I was right. in with That's some right. friends, and uh, they had kicked me out. Uh, in this, within this year period. Gotcha. And um, what happened was Walter from Gorilla Biscuits uh, had come through town, or Gorilla Biscuits had come through town and I had given some of those guys t-shirts and they went to, the next stop on their tour was uh, Chicago where they met a young guy who was starting a record company called Victory Records. He had two rec- two sure. seven inches yeah. out at the time, and he wanted his third record to be the Gorilla Biscuits full-length album. But Walter, I don't know if you interviewed him, but he's a really, really uh, genuine and, and friendly and uh, kind person. Gotcha. And he, uh, he said you know, politely, thank you for the offer, but I already have uh, an arrangement with Revelation Records. Right, right. Yeah, I was going to say that can't, ended up coming on Revelation, yeah. Yeah. And he said, but uh, my good friend Dwid has this band, Integrity. See, this great shirt. And I don't know. He didn't say great shirt. I'm just you know, yeah, yeah, being, yeah. being facetious. But, right. uh, you know, he said something along the lines of this, one of them had a shirt on. I don't know if it was. Right. And, uh, that gave the illusion to this young record entrepreneur that maybe it was a band that was of substance. And yeah, so one of, the guy, uh, one of the guys in Gorilla Biscuits is wearing a shirt. So you got to be something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that really uh, helped out a lot. And I got a phone call uh, from, from victory Records saying, Hey, I heard some good things about you from Walter Amazing. and I'd like to uh, work with you. And um, and then that's pretty much where it started. And Nuts. I didn't have any songs at that time. I didn't even, and I had just gotten kicked out of the band I was in because they said my lyrics were not uh, what everybody else was doing, and, mm. and and the way I sang wasn't like what everybody else was doing. So they didn't want to be a part of that. So it's um, too too unique. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nonconformity in a nonconformist underground music scene. Right, right, right. right. Uh, taboo, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you got to be uh, you, you got to be in with the out crowd. Yeah, something like that. So uh yeah, so that's pretty much how it started and he said, "Can you send a demo?" I said, "I don't have a demo." He said, "Why?" I said, "I don't have any money. I'm a teenage kid, you know." Yeah. <laughs> and he said, "Well, I'll send you some money to record." So I said, "Okay." And uh, I didn't really think it was going to happen, but a check arrived. Nuts. And by that point, uh, everybody in the small town that I lived in had heard that I had a record deal. No bands had ever had a, <laughs> a record deal before that. So I had people uh, very excited to. Uh, yeah, very interested. Uh, I'm sure. Very yeah. interested to do some recording. So th that's kind of how it started. There's See? a lot more to it. I don't know how much. No, no, of course. We're. I was going to say, we, we also did talk a little bit about that on the last episode, and I know you've talked about it a bunch. I just, you know, for the people who maybe aren't as familiar with Integrity, like a nice little brief history of it. So you get this deal with Victory, and you're, well, I was going to say, so your first record, like full length with Victory is Systems Overload? Oh, uh, yeah, that but that was many years after. This was right, 89. So like, 89 was when we did the demo, and 90, we had the 7-inch out. Gotcha, that's right. And, and then, uh, so what I was, because I was doing some research, and I was I was seeing the, the, the record, Those Who Fear Tomorrow, came out on Overkill Records. So right. I was going to ask, like, you went from victory to overkill back to victory, like sort of yeah. back and forth. And then, I mean, and we're not going <laughs> to... You guys have like 12 LPs, something like that, over the course of the, the past 30 years? Um, I don't it's, think so, so. It's like with, with with records on you know victory like we were talking about, uh, and then you have a record on uh, let's see East Coast Empire, and then two records on Death Wish record. The most recent ones on Relapse. You put one out on Magic Bullet, spanning the gambit of a of a ton of a ton of record labels. Um, and a three eight nine as well. A three eight nine, of course, yep. of course. And uh, uh, so, how did okay so you're doing stuff for, on victory and you're doing all that stuff. How did you end up on death wish specifically? Since this is a death wish oriented podcast, I want to talk about that a little bit. Well, I think that a lot of people know victory's reputation. Wasn't, uh, it's not right. the best. It's not the best. Right. <laughs> wasn't accommodating to the musicians. Sure. Yeah. Totally. I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, um, I was gonna say, cause like you, you mentioned that maybe uh, Trey had hit uh, had hit you up, and uh, and you, I love, I, I pulled up the the interaction, the, the our conversation. You said you originally met him through uh, Boy Sets artist, Fire, I think. Boy Sets Fire and Derek Hess. Yeah, so sick. I think that Derek had uh, put on a uh, he had this thing called I think it was called Hess Fest, uh, but I might be mistaken on the title, but I think that's what it was. And um, it's a good name for a fest. <laughs> uh, Nathan from Boy Sets Fire and I are friends, and. Uh, he invited, I think he invited me to come uh, to see them play, and we were talking, and uh, and Trey was there, and he introduced me to Trey, and then Trey said, hey, I'm, I would be interested, I have a label, and I would be interested in working with you guys, and... Uh, that's awesome. So just like... I, I think that's how it come to be. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Jeff, don't you have... Uh... A tattoo of some artwork from Derek Hess. Oh yeah, yeah, I do on my on one of my arms. Yeah, we're, we so and because Derek Hess also did some artwork for um, that Converge uh, Hellchilds. No, no, yes, yes, yeah, it was the yeah. Converge Hellchild split, the first thing that's that came right. out so on that, Death Wish. That makes there's like a lot of uh, interconnection there. Um, and, and then Derek okay, did so a I, lot of artwork for a, a lot of a lot of bands, and and even sure. he even has some artwork in the Louvre. 
in Paris. They, they Crazy. bought wow. some artwork. I didn't know that. But it's not on display. I guess it's in like Indiana Jones style, like yeah, storage. Like in a crate, just in a, a vault somewhere. somewhere. Waiting for him to die. Um, yes. And then. And, and those then. are his words. Those were his words, not mine. So I'm not trying to, cur- I'm not trying to That's curse amazing. him. I, I you know, that. But, you know, he said it with, with levity, with, with comedy. <laughs> But it's quite oh impressive God. to have it in the Louvre, you know. No, it's one hundred percent. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, one other question about just your relationship with Death Wish. So you put out uh, t- "To Die For" on Death Wish, and then it was like this. This record comes out in twenty ten, uh, but you have a record in between, which is uh, "Palm Sunday." No, like, no. Okay, that's a I, that's I a live record from nineteen ninety two. It came Thank out. You. It came out after that, but it was recorded gotcha. in so, nineteen ninety two. So to die for to blackest curse is like that's your LP transition. Those are and studio so those are, records. Yeah, yeah. Those are both on on. Uh, so there's a pretty sizable gap between to die for and and blackest curse. It's like seven years in terms of like release dates. Well, they're singles and things seven inches. Right, but, but like, most people like don't a, notice that stuff. That just right. goes under the radar. I was going to say, on, on like, if you're looking through like a Discogs page, you got the LPs in the front and then the singles and stuff are all on the side. But so what I was going to ask is, like, yeah, what was the band doing between like the seven years is a, quite a long time between LPs? Yeah, ready? seven inches, se- uh, singles, seven inches. I don't know what they're called nowadays, you know. <laughs> yeah, but they're both seven inches, singles, e- you know, It was just whatever. a thing you would do when you just have a couple songs. You didn't have 10 or 12 or 13 songs. You do a, a single. We were, we were gotcha. actually talking the other day about... um how the it's actually kind of like boiling back to that now with like mm-hmm. the way it that is. that digital music is you know is distributed like a lot of bands are going back to because like modern life is war just released like two or three songs like they're they're a lot of bands that are very well established are kind of going back to like just putting out three or four songs at a time just putting out two songs at a time because in the way the way that people consume music now a lot of people is like singles you know like they they just get a song and they're that's all they're interested in. So like a lot of people have started like going back to exclusively doing that. Yeah, I think that there's a shorter attention span now. 100%. So yeah. that might be uh, more accommodating for, for, for the public, but you know, for a conceptual record, you have to mm-hmm. have an album, but no, of course it depends I mean, what you say on do. this, on this podcast, we, we've run the gambit from covering a single song to a compilation to double LPs. And so we've been able to like really see how an artist, how a band or an artist like puts music out and how what the intention is behind it. And and, and so sometimes it's just like, all right, here's just three quick songs. We just wanted to put some, some stuff out, whatever. But then you have a band like uh converge do this big conceptual thing or like where it's like you could tell the songs are the way they flow is all very very specific and very intentional and like the lyrical content like is all on on purpose and so it's like it's cool to see i like that idea of like uh it's like i like when bands can just put out a song and it's cool but then they also put so much thought into actual lps you know right um and then well and so speaking of this lp it, it like I wanted to ask about, I want to ask some specific questions about this record. Um, so with the, you know, with the cover art and the lyrics, it's all very dark and bleak. And also like the way that the, the tones, like the guitar tones, like coming from to die for not saying that that wasn't like a darker record, but like it, I feel like this record is is significantly darker sounding. I agree with that. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I was gonna say, was that a conscious decision? 
uh, to do that? For the most part, To Die For was a simplistic record, very basic, and, and on a lot of the songs, very basic uh, structure. Too basic, I think. And uh, <laughs> uh, this, uh, uh, The Black is Curse had, had more depth to it. Well, this is based on a book, right? Like, this is based on a book that you wrote? Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, I outlined a book, but never released it. I see. Gotcha. Okay, so. okay. And but, I was going to uh, do a, a DVD that would have came with it that would have had a, a visual representation of this of it. I filmed some of it, um, but um, we couldn't agree with. I wanted the DVD to be free uh, uh, with the CD, but this was when people had DVDs. To- now totally, it would be right. totally a different thing, you know. But back then, you also couldn't watch that length of something yep. on uh, on YouTube yet. Totally. At that, at that like time, nowadays you could do it. Nowadays yeah. you yeah. could do that, yeah. But back then you couldn't. And I bought up a bunch of film, uh, 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 actual film uh, for a, a Super 8 camera that I have, and Sick. I filmed some of some of it. In fact, the funny thing is that the guy who was the main uh, actor in in the film uh, is my friend Colin, who sings for the band Amon Ra. Now everybody knows who Amon wow. Ra is, but at the time uh, they were just. Getting, getting, uh, getting started, uh, mm-hmm. get, or getting the love, ball rolling more to, more yeah, to say. right. But they, I would uh, love to see any of that footage. That would be cool. So, shit. So, I think so I def- put it. I think I put it online. I, I, I okay. I, I okay. think it was associated with the record. I'll um, have to check it out. I've never seen any of that, so that mm-hmm. I will definitely check that out. So the the depth of of like, uh, you know, stuff for this record is is there because, like you said, I mean, there's a book. There's an outline for a, a book already. So like. Well, yeah, like the songs how... are chapters, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the way I look at it. And Colin played uh, Felician Rops, who was a Belgian artist who migrated to Paris and uh, dated these two twin sisters who were fashion designers. And he dabbled in the occult and devil worship. And uh-huh. um, it was a concept with him and also with Crowley when Crowley was managing a girl band and uh, went to Moscow. Uh-huh. And St. Petersburg with as the manager of this girls group uh-huh. and uh, cross paths with Rasputin. So it was all tying these things together, these elements together. That was what the, what the yeah. idea was from this. Like a meeting wow. of minds. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like a synchronicity of, of um, devious characters. Totally. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that uh, is really ju- cool. Just as like a, just as like a, I don't know, like. All the it's kind of like all the things I you know it's like history but also like you know horror almost occultism like I don't know it's it's very interesting and intriguing and I think when there's such a depth of like you know subject I guess uh, it it comes through in the music and I think that this record you can feel it man as soon as it starts you're just like fuck this is this is something you know <laughs> I might I might want to add that it probably worked out for the best that the, that there wasn't such a um hand-holding mm-hmm. description of the album at the time so that people could um, interpret it their own way. Yeah, like let it grow organically. Yeah, and then they can m- misinterpret it, and then it has its own life that way, in, that, to- in that avenue as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Totally. So, Sick. Um, so what was like... <sighs> What was the writing process for this record? Because I know currently you live in Belgium, but you've been living there for quite some time. Were you in Belgium by the time this record was being written? Yeah, I've lived in Belgium for about 20 years. Right, so that makes... Yeah, so, like, okay, so... Like 2003 like, or something. 
in, in yeah. the in the research I was doing, I, I found that this record was recorded in like two different studios. Um, it's recorded at uh, uh, Galahad Studios in Cleveland with Tom Schaffner, and then uh, CCR Studios in Belgium. It was mixed there. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's yeah. what I was gonna. I wanted to ask for some clarification. Like, were you? It might say it might say that on the and the liner notes or discogs. It might yeah. be incorrect, but it was mixed uh, in Cleveland. Um, gotcha. It could be that some some overdub solos were done there. That's possible too. And then, gotcha. therefore, That's... maybe it was also recorded. I, I can't right. remember this is, this... all those little details like that. But totally. for no, the most okay. part, I, I... it was uh, mixed by by Tom. Gotcha. So it makes what I was going to ask is basically like, were you in the states recording this, or was the band like was every like. The people on the record were they in Belgium? Like, what was going on? Like, that's well, it's complicated, as all of my <laughs> records are. So, what happened was the band recorded a majority of the music here in Belgium, not at my okay. house because I can't record drums here, but at a, at a, at the studio that we uh, that you mentioned. I don't remember the right. name of it. Sorry, C CCR Studios is what Discog says. So. Okay, that's probably right. I never knew the name of the place. <laughs> And uh, I think it was the only time I'd been there. And uh, they, they did a good job. They recorded everything. And then I recorded the vocals at my home studio after the fact. Gotcha. And gotcha. then all of those tracks ended up going to Cleveland. The guy who wrote most of the music uh, is, was Steve Rockhurst. And he's the bass player uh, at the yeah. time. And he also is the, is the, the clean singer uh, for the band Mushroom Head, which is like a... a Kind of, right uh, i remember you telling me about that on the, yeah yeah we, we talked about this we talked about that on the we last episode this. i remember now yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's, that's a crazy jump <laughs> so he well he always was into uh this kind of both music uh right. both styles of music he and and including uh, a large depth of other kinds you know he he loves mm -hmm. funk and uh different kinds of music yeah right i think that's important if you're going to write music that you should have a very very broad uh, paintbrush to paint with, you know, have a lot of uh, yeah. influences instead of just having the same, because then it's going to come out just sounding like plagiarism. You know? Totally. Right. No, if, yeah, if you can, if you can mix a bunch of influences together, you'll create something truly yeah. unique and different. Um, and, and, and so, well, speaking of, speaking of that, like creating, like integrity has been a band for a really long time. Um, and obviously the sounds have kind of like changed a little bit, but like overall, like integrity does have a band identity. And I, I, I wanted to ask about like how, how, uh, difficult it is, is it to maintain this identity when you have kind of like a revolving door of, of, of studio musicians? Cause obviously you've been in the band the entire time, but the, everyone else kind of like ebbs and flows and whatever like that. So like, like starting back at that demo and ending up, you know, currently with the like nothing uh, <laughs> split you just did. Like, how do how do you maintain such a strong identity? Is it is it just because it's like you spearheading everything or is it like what's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I am the. Uh, uh, I oversee everything, so if it doesn't okay. uh, fit with what I my vision is, then it doesn't make it to. Uh... But nobody really ever comes with songs that are like uh, that wouldn't be, fall into that category. Pretty much, sure. I mean, uh, not that I can remember it. At least, I mean, it's kind right. of like you know, um, I guess like James Brown or something. So, 
<laughs> right. That, that, well, that's know, uh, I... that's kind of um, we had a couple of folks uh, fans ask specific questions, and Ruben uh, from the band Soul Glow uh, from Philadelphia had a similar question. He said, you know, with every iteration. Uh, of integrity through the years what do you think has stayed true the entire time like an ethos or an aesthetic or musical quality uh and then he said besides do it of course because he's been there from the beginning uh <laughs> but i think that you kind of just answered that like it's you know it, i mean it is it is kind of you because you're the creative director basically of this project it's your project yeah i so mean it's if, if we really vision. boiled it if we really boiled it down like we said before it was a street where it, company before that stuff was a thing right. mm -hmm. so this is like the soundtrack to it i guess or the other way around sometimes it depends on how you look at it i mean it, there's awesome. a there's a vision and there's a, a universe that exists and the music and the shirts and the record covers and the lyrics and all of that stuff just sort of um pays homage to the vision not the other sure. way around Okay. So it's, it's a, me, like like a religion in a way. It's making me think uh like the integrity cinematic universe. Like like I would <laughs> yeah, like I, I would guess it, it could be like comic books, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well there's this whole thing, you know, like it's all connected kinda. I mean it keeps my mind uh occupied. To 100%, keep thinking absolutely. about these things and, and ultimately, I mean, as selfish as it sounds, I, I'm I'm entertaining myself. And that's also where the standard lies, as if if I'm entertained enough, if I find it to be intriguing or if I find it to be interesting and I have to keep uh, playing a bit of a game with myself, a chess game with myself so that I don't reveal too much of what I'm going to reveal later to myself. <laughs> right. So sure. it's a bit of a, you know, shell game in that regard. Yeah, like, but, uh, like mental gymnastics, kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like uh, yeah, I, I want to be I want to be entertained as well, you know. That makes yeah, me think of, of a, uh, a something I read coming up for this interview. I was, and somewhere you said, uh, I'm paraphrasing. You said, uh, when I want to hear something new, I write that record, and it's yeah, cool. Well, like it's a cool, was, it's a cool way to think about, you know. That was taken a bit out of context, but yeah, I mean, not not by you, but by 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 the um, quote. Yeah, I I, I, yeah, I do I got listen that to well. new music I, and things I, like that. I felt but like it, that was a. A negative context yeah. as well. Some people bit. took it that I was ja taking a, 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 a jab at uh, new bands yeah. or something. And that's not the case. No. Uh, I actually, uh, I love newer music more than I love older music. And uh, I like that people are uh, losing boundaries and uh, genres. I hate genres. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like that music is becoming free. You know, it's like right. musical civil rights in a way so that you're not stuck in this kind of... <sighs> this uh this jail of your punk your metal your hardcore totally your whatever you are your noise whatever it would be you yeah i just think make music that you like i think like uh track six on the record uh oh shit the long one i can't remember what it's called but uh um, before the world was young yes before the world was gone like my note there uh one of my notes or my big note for that song was this band is not is not scared to do whatever the fuck they want to do. And that's what I love. <laughs> like, like, like through that song, I was like, man, they don't they'll do whatever they want. And that's what I think a band should be able to do. You know, just, you know, not absolutely be, not be scared I, or, or limited. That, that song in particular. Um, so whenever we, we talk about these records, I tend to like I'll listen to the record 
think about my own, like how I think about the record specifically, kind of formulate some thoughts. And then I kind of go look at reviews of the record to see what the general consensus is around the time that the record came out and to uh-huh. see how the record uh, was taken at, at, at that moment in history at that time. Because it's like, you can know, I, we're looking can back. Can I up. interrupt for one second? It was yeah, before, before the uh, world was young. Yeah, before the world was young. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. Uh, so that song in particular is something that came up a lot in reviews. And it was interesting to see because like, I know that I liked that song. And so I always wanted to see like, cause it was such a, like the, 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 the way the album flows, it's all pretty aggressive. And then that song kind of comes out of nowhere where it's like this almost like haunting acoustic guitar at the beginning. And it's really, really interesting. And so a lot of the reviews didn't know how to take it. Sometimes they were like, I really like this, but it was very unexpected. So I like that you guys even, you know, so many years in at this point are still doing what you like jeff said what you want to do and what uh sounds good to you and it's not necessarily about appeasing anybody it's about it's about keeping yourself entertained and about doing what you like and that song i think is a really great example of it because it's an eight minute long song in the middle of this like metal record that's acoustic and i love that so much i thought it was well it's the beginning's acoustic obviously it goes into full band stuff afterwards yeah, I mean, um, I've had songs that are piano songs and songs that yeah. are exclusively acoustic songs and songs that are uh, noise songs mm-hmm. and songs that are all kinds of different styles of songs, I guess. So it's not that for the people who've been following uh, all the records, it, I don't know if it's that shocking, but, you know, no. I don't read reviews. So a journalist at that time might have found it to be uh, uh, strange or, or uh, not not to their taste. Uh, I don't right. try. I try not to read it because I don't really care what. Uh, no, of course. It, if it, someone it, hates I, it or whatever, it's up to them. It, it's it's for me. It's more about like no, I don't like to read reviews of my own stuff either. I understand. So it's just like I, I just like to get the the taste of the like how people at the time like were receiving stuff. And so I was also going to ask like when this record came out, like uh, and you guys were playing on it, were were people just like hyped on the music or was it like? Like, how was the reception of, of your fan base? Uh, well, it seemed to stay the same. I mean, I don't think people uh, hated it or anything. I, <laughs> I didn't hear any complaints. Uh, it seemed, totally. seemed to go, go along as it does. I mean, normally when each record came out, uh, people there's a lot of people who dislike it and, and they have this idea of it should sound like the last record before right. it. Uh, and then later on, they changed their mind and that's, since the beginning it's been that way so i don't really pay sure. much mind to it uh, because when my first album came out there it was met with a lot of um uh, animosity from from a great deal of people people even went so far as to make uh, zines about how much they hated uh, uh, that album wow. wait what really yeah wow and <laughs> holy uh, crap and why they hated it and how Certain aspects of it were ruining their ideal of uh, whatever genre that they had dreamed up existed. That's insane. You know, this preconceived insane. <laughs> idea. And um, and then uh, as time went on, then they started to like that record, or not the particular person, but people more started to like that record. And then we made another record, which was different. And then they didn't like that one, but they right. somehow now liked the one before it. And then mm-hmm. as the years went on, the next one come out and then repeats, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't really, if you, ch- you know, you can't, you can't create something 
uh, with the idea of pleasing everybody. You have to please yourself. Right. If you try of to course. please everybody, you're going to always come up short, especially totally. to yourself. So I try yeah, to it, try to not do that, that. That quote is like, if you try to please any, everyone, you'll please no one sort of, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you, you should make it for yourself. That's what you should do. Yeah, um, that's, that's pure, you know, that's, that's how you're supposed to do it. In my opinion. Um, I wanted to talk about the artwork. Uh, we like to make a point of of talk, discussing the artwork. Um, so I know, again, like I can only get so much from from the internet. And so I wanted to ask you directly: Did you take this photo? Is this something that you created? Because I know, obviously, you do a lot of the art, but you didn't do the art for "To Die For." So I was curious. Right. Uh, originally, I was going to do the art, but Jake wanted to do the art uh, for "To Die right. For." Uh, for this album, this was. Uh, a found uh, photograph from Russia. Okay. And I don't know what the background is. And that's what I liked about it. It looks that's to me very so... ominous, like a gathering of something that is not supposed to be happening. Totally. And it looks, uh, it looks like whoever is involved in that are up to no good, but I don't know what they're up to. And I like to imagine different things, but I also like to imagine that it fits into the storyline that I uh, described earlier. Yeah, I, I definitely was like, this feels like the beginning of an unhappy ending. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is like, they're getting ready to do something that... Mm -mm. To me, it seems like a witch hunt, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. So, you know, what what it really is, I don't know. No one knows. I just, uh, it's just a found photograph. I love uh, that. I love that. From, I think from that's awesome. Russia. And, and like, it, it was just in this state. Like, and it's, you know, at least a hundred years old, the photo. That's And so you sick. can tell that from the, from the quality of, of the, I didn't do too much manipulation to it. Right. But uh, I think there's even a bit of a terror in it uh, that's reproduced as well. But um, I love it. It just looks like that. I have it around here somewhere in a box, Sick. that photo. No, that, that's all. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask, like if this was manipulated at all. But no, it's just this is just kind of what it looks like. Yeah, it's I pretty much. It's really I, cool. I, I don't think I changed anything on it, really. I And I really do think that, you know, the name The Black is Cursed. Like I also like it just fits with the name of the record. It fits with the the feel of the record. And like, I love that you just found this and it, that you found. It's almost like it was just like the perfect like 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 the universe going this is what it should be <laughs> well, that, you know, like that happens to me often actually so yeah, that, that yeah. you're actually yeah that's that's pretty astute because it does happen like that to me often that Thematic things just kind of come come across and they they work thematically i mean like what you were talking about earlier too like as far as like the crossing of these specific people in history at a specific time and place like this is kind of that too. Like it's from that, yeah. you know, it's from the past. It's from back in the day. Like exactly. It, it's, it's from Russia. Uh, you know, like it's. And, and with Felicia and Rops, the, the artist that, uh, that Colin was portraying in the video uh, and, and who is a, who is one of the characters of the story. He, he's a Belgian artist and I come across his artwork also by chance. There's a, uh, an art museum that takes place that is a part of a mental hospital in the city near the city that I live here in Belgium. And this is in Ghent. I live in Wandelheim, which is like a village outside of Ghent. Mm -hmm. Ghent is like um, more of a, a medieval city looks kind of like what you'd imagine in the movies, you know, sure. but I live outside of town and there's some castles nearby and it's things like that. But for the most part, it's just kind of quiet village area. But uh, in between uh, my, my village and Ghent is a uh, 
a giant, uh, horrifying uh, mental asylum called uh, the Geese Lane Museum. And uh, this museum was uh, created, uh, well, this, this uh, mental asylum, uh, the, the, uh, the owner of, and head doctor of the museum, which the, the museum is named after him, he decided that he was tired of uh, torturing the patients to make them better. And he thought maybe art therapy would be a solution. So he started to, uh, well, at the time it was. And so, so he, he started that. And uh, then he thought it would give them a sense of pride for themselves to display the artwork and have the locals come in and, and look at it and maybe their families and maybe people in the neighborhood. And that took off and people it had a successful quality to it. And uh, over the years it grew and grew. And now it's a, has its own kind of uh, it's, it's actually almost overtaken uh, the facility because now it's so archaic. They don't really take any new patients anymore because right. it, it does look like, this kind of fortress, you know, like what you imagine Vincent <laughs> wow, Price yeah. or, or someone in a in a Hammer horror movie uh, <laughs> right. for a for a, um, a mental hospital. I can send you a, a photograph later. I would on. love to see. Yes, please, please do. Uh, I'd love to see. Or that. I'll That's... spell I'll spell the name, and and your audience could could uh, totally could look it up online. It's G U I S L A I N Museum in Ghent, Belgium, and. Um, and Ghent is spelled G-E-N-T, is that right? Sometimes. And sometimes okay. it's spelled G-A-N-D, and sometimes it's spelled G-H-E-N-T. There's a lot they, of different uh, languages in If they in Google this it, period. they could find it with G-E-N-T, though, through it, Google. It, yeah, any of those Probably. three will work, yeah. Gotcha. Sick. Or um, just put Belgium, it'll come up. Yeah, totally. So anyways, <laughs> to, make a, to make my very long uh, story shorter... Uh, the the museum started to grow and then they started to bring in art from uh, other more established artists, people who weren't patients and including even like Andy Warhol and, and Joel okay. Peter Whitkin and whoever. So, um, and what they would do is they would have themes and the themes would be something like pain. So mm-hmm. it would be any kind of interpretation of pain and they would have different artists uh, conveying their interpretation of pain. And, uh, one of the exhibits that I went to, I don't remember which one it was called, but I was looking on the wall and there was this, uh, etching print from, uh, from Felician Rops. And I was looking at it on the wall. And again, I thought this must be some, cause sometimes they still have the patient's uh, artwork on, on display. So I thought this maybe was one of the patients or something. Cause I hadn't heard of him at the time. And I, right. and I didn't have my glasses on and I looked at the, at the display card and I thought that it read, uh, 1988, uh, as, as the date of the creation of the piece. And it was, um, it was a crucified nun who's naked, who has a, she has a devil, uh, around her shoulders with his legs crossed and he's strangling her with his hooven, uh, legs and he has an erect penis and it's really looks like what you would imagine a Slayer album or T-shirt or right, T-shirt totally. to be. Right. So when I saw 1988, you know, I grew up in, in, in America and in 1988, uh, there was the PMRC, which was, uh, this, uh, conservative group of, um, 
right. wives of uh, politicians who took it upon themselves to be the moral police uh, of America. Right. And they um, they went out and censored artists, uh, Ice-T and, uh, and Danzig and... Uh, even even uh, Frank Zappa and everything, and eventually right. uh, John Denver took him down. Believe it or not, but <laughs> anyways. So I saw this piece and I thought to myself, 1988. Wow, this guy he he must he must have been into you know into into thrash metal or, or death metal mm-hmm. at the time. And then I looked again. I said 1888, and then I thought, wow, how can that be possible? This this type of artwork was existing the, back right, then. Right. You know, it's so blasphemous. And uh, so I started to do some research, and there isn't so it wasn't so much to find at the time. So I did a lot of research on him, and uh, and I went down to where he 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 was born, and there's a museum there. And I looked around, and I talked to people, and I got books and everything, and and then I found out uh, as much as I could, and then I connected things together, and that's where that came from. The that's Felician Rops uh, angle. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, oh, real quick, uh, before we um, completely finish talking about this, the artwork, I, I found some images on Discogs of some hand-painted test pressings for this record that's, that are attributed to you. And I was going to ask about like, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, every album I I draw. Uh, yeah, the the one is Crowley and one is yeah, Rasputin. Yeah, so I was gonna say one's Crowley and one's Rasputin. And that's when I was using like a a a, a paintbrush, and now I use a different kind of tool. Uh, yeah, but so I, I was... still do that. I, I I do that all the time, and uh, I have an Instagram, uh, Dwight Hellion, and you can see. Um, I just posted some today. Actually. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna, so I was gonna ask, like, uh, is this something you do on a, uh, on the test presses all, all the time, or was this like a yeah. like a one off? Because like this is really cool, and it makes it another way that these specific ones are just hyper unique. I like, do. I will say that I am one hundred percent. I think these are uh, primitive. Now I'm. I think I do better. But thank you. I I will say that I one hundred percent do not like thinking the word the blackest curse while looking at either of those faces <laughs> uh, it definitely is unsettling <laughs> it's awesome thank you yeah, yeah totally. i thought they were really cool and i'm i'm just glad that the well, people who owned them they, they shared them with the world like i i would have never have seen these unless these people yeah, put that, pictures i, of them, I literally you know? didn't know they existed until right now looking at them. it is very cool um and, awesome. Okay, so just uh, another. I have a couple more. Here, I'll questions send this for, back to you and and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, in Facebook, if we're offline right now, or am I ruining your podcast? I, I can I can edit this. It's totally fine. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, oh, no, you totally can fine. keep it if you want. It's the same for me. I don't. Really. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, most of these interviews, I end up just meandering around until it's like you know, dude. It's really it's we we've we've we found like we're you know we're we've done like eighty of these now. Like we're. Those are like the best interviews where it's just like a kind of loose meandering conversation. Like I love it so much. It's oh, always I, so genuine. Um, I I saw these uh, I saw these today, Dwight, and I forgot that, that you did that. That's for a uh, record. I didn't realize. That's for the test presses of the uh, version 2.0 of uh, Howling for the Nightmare Shall Consume album. Very cool. Very cool. So um, I, draw, I draw the covers uh, for the test presses. And sometimes I get bored. And sometimes, I like this one, I try to make them all look very similar. Sure. 
but they don't look they don't look exactly the same. But I thought, <laughs> well, but maybe I can finally cool. do it. But it, I I can't keep my concentration. Uh, I get bored and then I change it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, find a new else. technique and then I uh, right. advance on it a bit. But you know, they look kind of like that. Then I draw on the dust sleeves and uh, I I get carried away. It takes That's me well, so fucking long. It's really annoying. You know? <laughs> and the other, uh, like the uh, when the other guys get copies and and they uh, they they get rid of their copies, usually they just make a, uh, something with a printer. You know, like print out right. something mm-hmm. and put it in there. And then I often think, man, I should do that too. But you know, <laughs> uh, no, I'm but just it's more fun drawing. to draw. I love to draw. So yeah, and of it course. gets uh, it gets uh, it gives me practice, and uh, I think that I'm getting uh, getting closer to where I'd like to be with drawing. I mean, I'll never be satisfied, but I'm getting closer. That, that is truly a curse of being an artist. Is like you're you're never really satisfied with what you're doing. At a certain point, you just have to like. Stop! You have to be like, it's done, and I'll move on. <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. Because I I can sit and nitpick my own stuff in terms of like I I mostly do photography, and so I can be like, well, this photo wasn't quite this or wasn't quite that. But at a certain point, you just be like, I'm just enjoying photography. I'm just gonna take the picture and try to move on, and we'll <laughs> just keep going. Same. Um. Well, but speaking of Howling for the Nightmare Shall Consume, so present day band, present day integrity, um, it's you and Dominic from. The band Pulling Teeth is how our fans might know him. A389, Dominic. Also it? owns A389. Gotcha. Yeah, so yeah, right. we we covered a Pulling Teeth record not that long ago, and I was able to get in. First of all, amazing, amazing so band. So fucking but, good. <laughs> but secondly, uh, Dominic was super, super nice and and was it, you know, talked to us about the band and talked to us about that stuff. And so I just wanted to ask how uh from what I know about him, because I don't know him personally, but what I know about him is he was a huge Integrity fan, and now he's in the band. How did that happen? How did how did you guys link forces? I've been friends with him since um, the mid-90s. Okay. And when internet was young, and um, he somehow figured out how to message people on there. And I don't really remember how it worked, but I used to get these annoying messages from this younger <laughs> kid, and uh, uh, I, I didn't want to answer him because they were pun- <laughs> he was punishing me. And um, my now ex-wife Lisa encouraged me to to write him back, and she said, gotcha. she said, you know, what if you were writing to someone that you admired, you should you shouldn't fucking be a total asshole and ignore this guy. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I don't I don't want to talk about whatever he's asking. Right. Right. And so, you know, eventually I did it and then we became friends. But usually when that happens, then they want you to sing on the record. And of course. Stuff. Yeah. There's there's something. Yeah. It's always like that. So I ended up having to sing on his record. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, but then he became a very uh, almost a brother to me, uh, you know. But at the time, I found him to be an annoying uh, pest. But he, you know, like like a little brother, an annoying pest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But now, now he's like a real, you know, like I love the guy a lot, and uh, you know, but he doesn't play uh, in the band live anymore, and uh, he um, he retired because he uh, gotcha. He takes care that. of his three. He has three small kids. He takes he has full time care of them, so he gotcha. he's a, fa- a family man. 
Man. Well, I, I enjoyed his contributions onto that on that last record. It was really good. So I yeah. I didn't know that he wasn't doing live performances anymore. Is he still? Are you guys still writing together or anything like that, or is it just? No, he's, he's gonna his... he's gonna do um, freelance solos uh, on on the next album. Nice. That's a great resume, you know, just freelance solos. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. As um, solos are are. Uh goosebump inducing you know i mean yeah, the I guy's mean, got more soul than uh than anybody i've ever met and uh that's he's a very unique guy he's got a lot of depth to him and he's a very uh passionate and compassionate person i mean the fact that he gave up uh traveling the world and doing things that a lot of people would uh would kill to do uh, so that he could take care of his his children, I think that that's very commendable, and uh, I have absolutely the utmost respect for him, and uh, and I always will, and I, I love the guy. So, um, and he's a great guitar well, player. Yeah, he is uh, very talented, um, but he's a great friend well, as well. Well, speaking of, hopefully like, he's new- not listening to this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might. I don't know. He knows uh, the podcast exists. We talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> we talked. I'm sure he's um, he's bored of hearing me talk by now. <laughs> Um, well, well, speaking of like newer stuff, um, we did have a, a, a fan write in uh, at real Mr. Taylor on Instagram. He has it's a two part question. Uh, first one, first part is what is your favorite integrity record? And the second one would be is there what are the possibilities of a new album? Like what are there any simmerings going on? Yeah, I've already been uh, working on a new album and I've been uh, slipping out hints about the album on t-shirt designs and things like that okay and um this is that fucking universe man this is what we're talking about <laughs> the integrity <yeah>. cinematic universe <laughs> so uh if people have been at the the last few shows they, they might have gotten some clues on the t-shirts well, and, there you uh, go <laughs> but um the next step for for integrity right now is that when victory sold uh the company to concord mm-hmm. uh concord music uh, I was able to get all the rights back to my my music. Oh, awesome! Sick. So um, I licensed that to Relapse and Relapse and um, Arthur Risk uh, put together a new production of all the old albums with amazing. I and and Arthur put them uh, together, but mostly Arthur uh, remixed them, found new things that were on the old reels. We have the master reels from all the old albums, the first six. And uh, some of them uh, became much better than they they originally were. And uh, some of them remained uh, all close to the where they were, or, or maybe maybe less. That's it depends awesome. on your interpretation. If you're an old <laughs> right. person, you're going to be nostalgic, and you're going to find them all to be different. And then different yeah. is usually not good for an old person. <laughs> Not to me, but to, to a lot of old people. You're right. Right. As people get older, they tend to want to hold on to stuff. They don't. Yeah. They don't like the the new the new shit. Well, that's exciting. I, I know. I mean, me and Jeff are in a project, and we definitely when we got our our masters back from the company that it was like a big deal. So I'm I I can imagine getting all of that stuff back from Victory is just a awesome feeling. It, it took so. a long time. It was yeah, a lot of work, yeah. and it was very um, soul killing. But in yeah, the man. end, uh, they couldn't produce signed contracts, so they had to get oh, it back. There it is. Boom. Well, good. 
Um, and then at the so loss have, of a, a, a fortune of money of royalties, right? Of course, lost. like a, yeah, a <laughs> yeah. bajillion dollars worth of that. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we made that much, but yeah. it certainly was a it certainly was a, a huge chunk of money that that we lost. Yeah, more than was received. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, there wasn't much received. Right. And then, yeah. So, and then the other part of his question, I, I know this is a difficult thing because I think you even said something in a, in our messages in the past where like, what is, what would you consider to be your favorite integrity record? But you, I think you said something to the effect of like, each one is different and each one is a, is a, is a baby, but it's like, do you have a particular one that you're drawn to? Yeah. The next one. Boom. Oh, there it is. Boom. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's honestly what I kind of expected you to say. Cause like, like we were talking, it's like, the next project is like, that's what you want to hear. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's where I'm at now, but I mean, I love all the old records. Some of them suffered production wise, like seasons in the size of days had such, uh, we were, we were only afforded a thousand dollars to record each album, which, uh, that was almost impossible to do in the nineties. Um, and we usually made it work, but with that record, we ran out of money and the studio was like, look, You've run out of money on every album, and I gave you extra time because I felt bad for you guys. Right. But if the label's not going to cough up the extra money, we're going to have to just sort of turn it Do in it. as it is, you know? Right. So I felt that the record suffered um, and sounded a bit uh, muddy and mm -hmm. uh, and and lost a lot of uh, the the clarity and the, uh, the focus. Uh, and now it sounds the way that it should be, and it's really uh, remarkable how different it sounds and... Uh, and uh, I'm yeah. very proud of the way that it sounds now. And unfortunately, because of Adele and COVID-19, you're going to have to wait a really fucking long time to <laughs> yeah, hear like, it. Yeah. Like 2025. But it's turned we'll, in. We'll, we'll <laughs> I guess yeah. the other two are, the first two are coming out in the summer, maybe. Depends well, again on, you know, pressing plants everything. and things And this like, is yeah. all through, this is all going to be through relapse license records. through relapse. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. They're, that that label is fucking hitting it right now. They're, yeah, they're doing it, so man. Much good, so much good stuff coming out on that label. Um, I love those guys. Well, cool. So I have um, just one last uh, one last listener thing. It's not a question. It's just more of a statement. I just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, at London Dungeon on Instagram just said, I fucking love this record. Uh, the guitars really scream and do it sounds insanely evil. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love that because uh, in, in my notes uh, about the, these songs, I was like, a lot of the the earlier songs on the record, you're you're. It's more just like like a yelling, you know. It's like a like a harsh yelling, which is great. But then there are certain songs where it's just like I I think I want to try to find it. I have a note that basically just sound. It's like it almost sounds like a demon is talking to me through this fucking record. Like it's like there was like this deep bass part of it's actually it's on it's yeah it's on track six, which is uh before the world was young. Like there's a part where you're talking at the beginning of it. It literally I'm like this sounds like a straight demon talking to me and I love it. So I, I absolutely agree with, with that listener to says, <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it's you cool. know, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's channeling, you know, it's channeling things. Uh, I grew up in a very religious household and from a very early age, I was told that, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, under, uh, I was in devilry, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. so, Maybe I am. I don't know. I don't know. But I, it's like, uh, you know, but at the same time, I, I have I came to understand uh, what, you know, they, they're they're uh, Pentecostal uh, mm -hmm. faith believers. So right. um, I sort of got to a point where I started to understand that they uh, 
that there's an inversion to a lot of these things and like the things that they call evil, well, they are doing evil. And I, and then I got into a, a bit perplexed, you know, like when you, when you, when you hear an interview with a, like a Scandinavian black metal musician and they'll mm -hmm. say, uh, I love evil. That's what I love is evil. Yeah. And then you say, uh, well, what do you think about the church? Oh, I hate it. It's evil. Then that, well, that to me perplexes me. I don't understand that concept because, and then I get into this uh, dilemma with myself. Now, what should I, how should I view that? You know? So I started to come around and kind of uh, enjoy uh, the, the religion that, that condemned me for so many years and uh, appreciate some of its qualities. It's right. It's negative qualities, but uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, I kind of I find it to be you know the greatest horror story uh, that's ever been written by man, and I, I I revisit it often, and it's I find it to be very inspiring for for dark tales. I mean, it's I think that most people who who um, champion uh, the Christian faith haven't really read the book. Totally, yeah. And not to get too far into it, I, I was a, I'm not very religious myself. I was a, but I was a religious studies major in, in college because I was kind of like what you were saying. It's like, I was fascinated with this, like the, the, the stories behind it all. Yeah. And I was like, but I want, and I wanted to learn about as much as I could, not just Christianity. I wanted to learn about all of it. Which is why I did a religious studies major. Cause like people always ask me like, Oh, you're a religious studies major. Are you? And I'm just like, I'm not religious at all. Cause I think once you find out about enough, it's hard it, to you're be. Like, How could you be? <laughs> like, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we're um, we're both also we're also both see, from yeah. the we're also both from the rural south. So like, yes, oh. is yeah. heavy. That's heavy. a prerequisite for one one hundred percent. Like you know, like this, this was our it was our childhood. <laughs> yeah, very much raised Catholic. Mm. Uh, but anyway, but you also um, start to see similarities in these religions, and you see how they basically uh, plagiarize each other, and yeah, uh, totally, absolutely, and misinterpreted <laughs> the older stories and re, you know, appropriated yeah. them for themselves and different yeah, things. It's like, I find oh, it all oh, fascinating. Oh, oh, virgin birth, that's a new one, yeah. not a new one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rising from one. the dead. Oh, that's yeah. never been done before. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's never been done before. Totally. <laughs> Um, well, okay. So, I mean, we're sitting at about an hour here, the podcast. Um, I'm going to just, I guess, give some last, uh, we can give some last thoughts about this specific record. And then we have a couple just, uh, reoccurring segments that we need to do at the end of the episode before we wrap up. Um, so personally, I just wanted to say a couple more things about the record. I think that this record is a, uh, like, like you were saying about to die for, like you were saying, it's a little bit more of a simple record and this record has a bit more depth to it. I, I absolutely agree. I think that this record is a, is a cool step up in the bands because i've listened to a lot of the older integrity stuff but th this uh middle period it was, it was something i was a little bit more unfamiliar with and then we started the podcast and i realized i was going to get the chance to listen to these records and really dive into them and i was super excited about it um and i i think i have found a new like i think the song um uh the, it's the second track uh shadows of forever might be in my top five integrity songs now that song is incredible I, I love it so much. It, it, it just like, I don't know. It, it is just a, a absolutely awesome song and I really like it. And I'm, I'm, so I'm really glad that we were able to cover this record and, and bring that into my, my, it's going to be my daily mixes now. Cause I really, <laughs> really Thank enjoy you. that song. Absolutely. It, it, it's, 
incredible song. And, I, and like I said, I just hadn't really had a chance to dive into this record too much. Um, and then also, I just really, really do to appreciate the um, it's like this record was taking, you know, it's it's like integrity being like this thrash hardcore metal crossover thing. It's like this has a bleakness that is just added on to everything that I thought was awesome. And, and it came out really, really well. And it all it all works in a in a absolutely great way um and i yeah just wanted to see how much i enjoyed this record that's well, all. i appreciate that thank you for saying <laughs> absolutely that. um i uh i definitely agree with uh number two like shadows of forever is one of my favorite songs on this record but i also really fucking love uh number nine invocation of the eternally coiling serpent um but I, I mouthful of a name. Yeah, it was it was cool. <laughs> I, to I get into these long names uh, lately. So. <laughs> I'm into it, though, because it adds more like like fucking what the fuck does that mean? Like you can you know, you can think about it. It's stuff to chew yeah, on. I, I think that 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 does lend itself that. And also at this point in in, in music history, every everybody's done, uh, you know, the, the normal phrases and things totally. as song titles. Yeah. So you have to try to expand uh, what what's possible anymore, so that it doesn't come up as the same old thing, you know. Right. And people can 100%. say, "Oh, these these titles are uh, difficult or 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 out of the ordinary." Well, that's the point, you know. It's yeah, not yeah. Supposed to we're be ordinary. If you we're want literally ordinary, talking about it right now. There's a lot of things you can listen to that are ordinary that you know, and nobody's <laughs> yeah. stopping them from that. So no, absolutely, totally. Um. Well, cool. Uh. All right, then I guess we can. Uh, we can move on into these segments that we need to do. Um, so first off, we'll keep this stuff relatively short. Um, we like to talk about what we've been listening to this week. So like for this podcast, we like to deep dive into these records and then have a nice segment that we just like to highlight some stuff that we've been listening to. Just some, some It can be old stuff. It can be new stuff. Uh, personally, this week, I've been listening to a lot of this, uh, this artist, uh, Laura Stevenson. Uh, she's a super talented um singer songwriter that does a lot of like uh, solo it's just her and an electric guitar but it's a lot of like it's kind of like indie stuff but it has a darkness to it that i really enjoy i've been listening to her new record a ton wanted to get uh, shout that out i also wanted to shout out the new um there's a uh kind of like a crusty hardcore band called spy that put out some new stuff that i've been really enjoying and then finally uh it's not new per se but the newest hum record that came out a couple years ago. Uh, I've been really, really enjoying. Uh, it, my coworkers have just been blasting it nonstop, and it's got stuck in my head. It's a really, really great record. Um, Jeff, what have you been listening to this week? Um, I haven't listened to a lot of music. I've been listening to that uh, Punk Lotto podcast. I've yeah, listened to a, a good one. couple episodes of that, um, and then um the power metal band blind guardian put out a new song uh, a couple weeks ago a week ago and i checked that out this week um but yeah not a lot man i haven't been driving normally all most of my listening happens while driving and i haven't been doing a lot of <laughs> right. haven't been doing a lot of that lately this week so. um do is there anything in particular you've been listening to recently that you wanted to maybe give a shout out to yeah um well, I've been listening to a band called Duma. They're an African okay. band, and um, they um, let me see how they call themselves a metal band. But they um, their their structure is uh, sort of in between, like pansonic or uh, experimental electronic music. But okay. one of the, but the singer he 
uh, has sort of like the uh, the idea of a uh, black metal, you know, this kind mm, of voice. Okay. So it's like a bit like that, and uh, I, I like I like them. Is that D U M A? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was about to ask. How that's to correct. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, did a record it. for Sub Pop, and they did a record for uh, uh, Nehi Nehi uh, Records, which is an okay. African uh, label. Definitely check them out. And uh, yeah, it's sort of like like the idea of black metal with uh, through the lens of Fruity Loops or uh, you know Ableton or something. You know, some kind cool. of digital thing. Interesting. Uh, also, uh, I'm scrolling through my playlist on no, my iTunes because I only listen to digital week. stuff pretty much. Um, I listen to the new uh, Controlled Death 7-inch. Uh, it's out on Deathbed Tapes. Uh, I think it, it came out uh, several months ago, but I, 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 I've been what, what does it, it sound like? I don't know that band. Well, Controlled Death is a Japanese uh, uh, artist. Uh, he used to be known as Masana. And okay. um, it's like uh, noise, but uh, evil with vocals too not not unlike the duma but taking it even further uh gotcha. into into uh, a bleakness and uh let's see what else here uh the electric mud album from muddy waters i was listening okay. to uh, sticky fingers from the rolling stones and uh let's see here some of the <laughs> leslie west solo albums the new sissy spacek uh record um uh, radio format. I was listening to that, and uh, I was listening to uh, Sex Messiah. They're a Japanese um, kind of uh, metal uh, metal punk band, uh, yeah. not unlike Gizem, if you know who that is. Uh, yep, yep. Kind of like okay. that, taking it uh, into like a darker uh, direction than than Gizem, and. Uh, I don't know. I can go on. If no, you that's, want. no, that's or, great. That, that's perfect. Uh, that's exactly what I wanted. We like I said, we just like to to showcase some some stuff that we're we've been enjoying, just so like, you know, we could share stuff around. So I, I that's a lot. Of, that's the stuff. A lot of stuff I've never heard of that I'm very interested to to check out. Yeah, I'm so. looking at this. I'm looking at this. Uh, the aesthetic for this controlled death, and this shit looks crazy. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's awesome. I put out. I put out three albums for him. He's an old friend of mine. Nice. And uh, that's very cool. I took um, him shooting uh, guns when he came to America for the first time in the nineties. <laughs> him and uh, you might know who Mersbau is. They were on yeah, tour together. Yep, yeah, yeah. gotcha. And, uh, when they were on Relapse, actually. Nice. Yeah, I like that. Uh, uh, that band Full of Hell and Mersbau did that collab record. It's yeah. super good. It's it's a, like a big thing in my mind. Also, yeah, really... I've been listening to the new Sore Dreams, uh, which That's is good which too. is uh, Full of Hell. Two of the guys from Full of Hell. Uh, the new record that's on Damien uh, Records. Uh, that's great. It's uh, really yeah. cool. I I I got their full length. I want to say it was on. Well, was it on Relapse last year? Like they they put an LP out. That's what. Anyways, I, it, full of hell uh, did. Yeah, I don't know. if yeah, Sword Dream right. was on there. Uh, Trying to find what what the name of that Sword Dream one. Those is. people are know. so prolific. Like they're just yeah making making music all the fucking time. They are. Yeah. It, yeah, because like uh, one of them's in a band called uh, I Flies that I re- that I have yeah. been really enjoying. Yep. I really like that band. Yeah, um, the well, Gears Clogged didn't you put with out, Blood and you Honey. Put, didn't you put out like a split? Didn't the Psy Warfare split? Is that right? With, uh... with who? With Full of Hell? Yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. I yeah. did a split with them, and I'm working on a split with so- a Sore Dream as well. Nice. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm good friends I, with I, those guys, and uh, I love what they do. I love those guys as as people. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that new Full of Hell record is, is real good. Um, but anyways, um, so we've already kind of talked about all the listener questions I had. Jeff, do you have any more? Nope. for? Okay, that's totally cool. Then we can move on just, just talking about uh, our next episode, uh, which actually... Let's see. It's it's halfway through the month, and we're gonna hit the holidays. This this might be our last episode of the year. I'm thinking of doing some kind of like Christmas fireside chat episode where where <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. Well, let's I don't say this is our too last much. last regular episode of the year. Um, and so next episode we are gonna be covering the uh, full length new distances by the band Narrows. Uh, that is our next episode. And I just wanted to say uh, thank you to all the listeners for sticking with us another year. This is the end of our second year as a podcast. Um, like this is episode 78. We've been doing doing this a long time now. We still got a lot more to cover. Um, and I wanted to also say, you know, please subscribe, review the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify. All that stuff really helps. And you can find us on all the social medias at uh in, at deathscography pod or you can email us at deathscography pod at gmail.com and personally you can find me on instagram and twitter at iron Raygun. jeff you can find me on instagram and twitter at car bomb sermon and twid uh if you wanted to uh yeah so i know you sent me your your instagram if you want to share that with our 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 listeners they could where they could follow you on all that stuff yeah i have dwid hellion uh on it on instagram and integrity, uh, I don't know if what it, it might be called integrity official. I don't know. It's got one of the blue checks. So nice. it's gotcha. the integrity that has the blue check and has the official integrity. Yeah. <laughs> you'll see a lot of pictures of people with their screaming with their mouths open, and that'll be the one. Nice. And if you want to see the drawings uh, that we talked about earlier, if you're keeping that in the. Uh, yeah, yeah we are. We'll keep it. That's on the Dwight Hellion uh, uh, Instagram. I, I got a Facebook too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is what it is. Um, and then I don't uh, know how to do Twitter, so same. That's, I mean, it's, it's dumb. There's no I, pictures me on that. with it, right? Is that how that one works? Uh, well, you can do pictures now. I don't. It's, it's, uh, it's just too much. But Twitter's it's mostly people arguing. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want to be involved in that. So no. Yeah, I really yeah, post pictures. Sounds like a bad time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, don't need that. Seriously, seriously, thank you so much for coming on. For sure. This has been an absolute blast i'm you know I, i'm glad we just got to talk about weird tangents like the uh mental institution turned awesome. uh, art that that <laughs> i never would have known about that and i think that's also absolutely cool and i really wanted to say thank you so much for coming on for sure well, thank you jeremy and jeff i appreciate it yeah man no absolutely. absolutely and uh to everyone listening thank you for listening so much and we will see you next time peace